You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecutors too author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Welcome. We've been doing this uh, Ramadan event for some time, and uh, I'm so glad all of you who've been part of Heart for Muslims Conference and have been attending this uh, event. It's been a blessing, and uh, I've been hearing good reports, and here I am with you again, uh, the Executive Director of Heart for Muslims with James. And I'm going to let James introduce himself a little bit, because the night of power discussion is uh, something I was intrigued by uh, the conversions of uh, Muslims to start seeing visions during the night of power, which is not just just one night. Um, And I'm sure our guest is going to tell us more about that, but I thought I should just set the stage for all of us that in the past eight years, we've been talking about this, how on that particular night or set of nights, because according to Quran, it could happen um, any of the last those three days or four days. So the thing that really intrigued me was how God is intervening, how God is entering into those situations when people are seeking after God. They want to hear from God and uh, God is showing up. And he's just uh, changing the lives of people. So this is the reason why we get together every year around this time when people are fasting all around the world. Uh, Muslims are uh, praying. They are uh, uh, seeking after God. So that's why we get together, too, with the Christian believers. And we try to make sense of Ramadan. And we try to make uh, sense of missional mandate that we have as Christians to reach Muslims and how um, Ramadan, the season, holy season, and uh, our desire to reach Muslim can complement each other and somehow moves, it could, it could move heavenly powers and cause people to take that next step. So with that introduction, I want to invite our friend, uh, we have uh, James uh, Raymond with us. Uh, James, thank you for being here and welcome back. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us a little bit about your organization before I ask a few questions. Well, thank you for having me. So my, uh, my organization is called the Almeida Initiative. And our goal is to build a friendly conversation between Christians and Muslims over food. Al-Ma'ida in Arabic literally means a table full of food and conversation. And we actually had our first ever event during Ramadan. It was an iftar dinner for Christians and Muslims. We got 70 people together and had really good conversations over really good food. And we try and do that every year. We, we really see Ramadan as... You said 70 people? Yes. So, were, so you started, your organization started that? that dinner or you were invited to the dinner yeah we started it that was our first that's e- awesome okay that go our, on that it's was our first cool. that was our first ever 
sort of day as an organization, we, we started with, we launched with an iftar dinner for Christians and Muslims, 70 people, 35 Muslims, 35 Christians. Uh, it, it's really casual. It's, there's, there's a couple of principles to how we do it. One, um, as Christians, we believe in the, you know, God's power over hearts and minds, right? So if we believe that, we don't have to be pushy in our conversations with people. So really what we're trying to do is provide a space where people can eat and have friendly but honest, um, substantial conversations with each other. So uh, let's step back a little uh, and let's start from the basic question. Help us to understand, um, when you talk to Muslims, how do they understand Ramadan? What Ramadan means to them? Before anything else, let's start there. So there's both spiritual and cultural significance in this. So the, this, the general spiritual belief behind it is actually starts with um, the Muslim view of human nature, actually. So unlike Jesus, who mm -hmm. taught that evil comes out from within a person's heart, right? right. Muhammad taught that uh, every child is born in a state of fitra or like nature, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so Muhammad says every child is born Muslim, and then it's his parents that turn him into you know, anything other than that, right? So through these external influences, your inner being is warped, so you, you know, do bad deeds, right? But Muslims believe for the month of Ramadan, Satan is chained up and locked away for the whole month. So the kind of bad spiritual influences around you are, are kind of toned down. So it gives you an opportunity to really focus on in on what's going on inside of you and not worry about these external influences so much. Uh, and the goal in that is to kind of build habits in Ramadan, which then will sort of stick for the rest of the year. It's kind of, it's seen as just kind of like leveling up time. You, you know, read some of the Quran, you kind of gain some new discipline and you kind of keep that going for the rest of your life. The Islamic belief is that fitra is, which is opposition to the original sin which is basically original uh, salvation, like person started with that, right? Original yep. innocence. So if you have that and during Ramadan, it's, uh, uh, Satan is no longer uh, um, doing anything. So why then there is so much, so much pain, violence, abuse, um, crisis in, uh, in the Muslim world? Uh, even right now, as we're talking about this subject, Crazy things are going on in Pakistan. That's where I'm from. So why that happens then? What is the explanation there? So I think I think what they're going to say, right? That, so they believe in a starting out of innocence, but that then is warped throughout life, right? So it's it's only that the external influence is gone doesn't mean it's gone from people entirely. But I, I think it is a really really important time to talk about human nature, to have this conversation about, okay, are, are we really born pure? Are we really born good? I just had a phenomenal conversation about that with a Saudi lady who's living in our house right now. And it's, it's really important to talk about that. It's one of the most important things to talk about. And I think that's what leads me to my next question. How can Christian connect with Muslims during this season? So, do you see the connection there too? Like, because I think what you said is important because if I see, right, I see the evil taking place, 
And especially a person who is saying I'm fasting and yet he goes on to cheat the person in, um, you know, simple things like uh, uh, the milk he's selling or uh, the food he's selling or the things he's doing, uh, work, cheating, the not being a good steward of uh, time uh, or, or, or employee as an employee of an organization leaving early, all these little things to major things like violence, going home yelling. And I've seen that. I'm in, I, I spent 25 years of my life, uh, well, 24, 23, 24. So during that time, I saw that with my own eyes. If anything, I saw more violence during Ramadan than any other times because part of that was people were just cranky. My own friends were cranky because they were hungry. So they're just like, Mm. So do you see any connection there? But then I just want to hear from you. How can Christians connect with Muslims during this season of Ramadan? So I think, again, I think this is the best time for Christians to connect with Muslims because there's just way more natural opportunities, especially for meeting new people. Right. So uh, lots of mosques and Islamic organizations have iftar dinners, right? A dinner that's after sundown where non-Muslims are invited to. And these are a tremendous opportunity to sort of show up, get to understand your neighbors slightly better. And what we've done is every year we've hosted dinners during Ramadan for local Muslims. Um, first year we did 70. Um, the next year we did 100. Um, this year we're doing five different dinners uh, later on in Ramadan, mm -hmm. uh, we just put them up online and all of them are sold out. Uh, they're wow. all full. So we're looking to you know, hopefully you know, feed about 400 people this Ramadan. Wow. So um, hold on. I, I want you to continue your thought, but I got two questions and I think those are important. You said sold out. Are you charging people? No, we just make them get a ticket so we know how many people are coming. Because they're free. You are the guys. Who are, so your organization, your um, you guys are paying for these meals. Last year, that was true. This year, local churches are paying for these meals. Wow, that's amazing. So you connected people. So other churches can be part of this. Churches can come together and do it as a, as a ministry. That's awesome, man. And you said uh, now it has increased. For the, the Last year was a one. And then you said, no, uh, hold on. You started with one. And you said it has increased. Now you have how many you said? We have five happening this year. Five happening. So the growth happened because more people are responding or more people are interested in hosting. What, what is the? Um, I'd say all of the above. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't really know how high the limit is on this. We also have more neighborhoods now, right? So okay. we just have yeah. one location represented before. And now... Uh, coming out of the whole COVID thing, everybody's hungry for events and meeting each other. And um, also what we found is the Muslim event uh, organizations always run out of uh, money and energy by the like second week of Ramadan. Right. So people are looking for events to go to in the last couple of weeks. So it's a really good time for churches to host stuff during that time. That's an excellent point. That's something I not, did not think about. That we, kind of, we kind of discovered it, it by accident. Yeah, that toward the end, you're right, because everybody's excited in the beginning because Ramadan is happening. So people are going to do that. And then it slows down. You're right. I, I totally now I see it. And then toward the end, as the Eid comes up, then suddenly they're again back to because it's Eid. 
that's a really good time to host that. That's good, man. That's really good. Good insight. So I think yeah, as Christians meet Muslims in in this time, um, and we look at these issues in the world, I I would be cautious about jumping straight into those issues, right? Okay. Um, because because what what I've what I'm finding is Muslims feel this need to kind of defend their you know their community, right? Mm-hmm. So there's gonna if you if you go in straight with a critique, even if they agree with it. They're going to be like, well, no, that's not fair. So what what you want to do is you want to listen well to the person you're talking to, ask them questions, um, see the weights that they themselves are lifting, right? Because you know you may see something in someone else or somewhere else in the world that isn't necessarily directly affecting the Muslim you were talking to, but as you become their friend and you that by listening to what they have to say. Um, pray for insight, pray for words, pray for things to talk about. And there's all of these opportunities we have to talk about, um, you know, to talk about what God is doing in the world and who, who God is in a way that doesn't feel like an enemy, but feels like we're actually a, a friend helping them solve their problems. Yeah. So you said here earlier in your previous uh, comment, you said here, where are you? When you I'm, say here, there are communities growing. Where is this here? I'm in Seattle. Okay. Huh. So in Seattle, you have a lot of Muslims coming to Seattle, or is they are? So is is it immigrant uh, coming there, or is just something that always been there for some time? So there's about 150,000 Muslims in Seattle. That's good. Um, okay. Some of them there's 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 a good amount of refugees here from Somalia and Afghanistan. Okay. There's a lot of um, wealthy tech immigrants from india pakistan egypt mm. for the kind of the microsoft crowd uh you got some from amazon as well and you've got some um iraqi and syrian refugees and a lot of students as well oh okay and do you have uh, so what is the what is the number of evangelical church there just just i want to just get the idea so if you have 100 and uh you know over 100,000 people um muslim people there so what's the number of christian um evangelical church that is engaged in Muslim ministry, some sort of Muslim ministry. Okay. So evangelical churches that we are directly working with um, engaged in uh, Muslim ministry to one capacity or another is probably about 18. Oh, that's it. Uh, yeah. You said 18, one, eight. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of work needs to be done. A lot of work to be done. Because you have like a large number of people that God brought. That's what I believe. God yep. brought there. So that means church needs to engage. Absolutely. Right? So so let me take you to the next question. So share stories, personal uh, knowledge about Muslim having visions uh, during Ramadan or night of prayer. If you don't have, that's completely, I understand. But if you have any, I will just... Just want to hear. I love hearing that. But if you heard some story, I want to hear those too. So I, I, I can't. I can't promise you the exact day that this happened on. Okay. It was approximately a year ago. Okay. Um, and I, uh, I, I met this woman um, last Friday. So there was a Somali woman living in South Seattle, and um, she had a dream and or a vision. She, she's not sure which. 
But in this, she's lifted out the roof of her house by a mysterious figure. And she hears thousands of voices all saying, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And the voice says to her, um, you're living in darkness. I want to bring you into the light. I want to save you. And she wants to ask, but she can't get the words out. Who are you? Wow. Then all of a sudden, hundreds of voices all respond at the same time. Isa al-Masiha. Isa al-Masiha. Isa al-Masiha. Jesus the Messiah. Then she's lowered back into her house. And the voice tells her, wow. you need to go and read the Bible. Wow. So then she reaches out to... Uh, some Christians she'd met through a local church here in the area. Um, she, there was like a community outreach, outreach event where they were kind of doing like a youth camp or something. And she met people there. She called them up and she says, I, had, I need to talk to you right now. So they drive over to her house and she says, I, they, I just saw this thing. I don't know what it was. And there was this word I've never heard before. Hallelujah. Yes, that's the word. That's the word. That's the word. <laughs> um, and then, then she starts. And then with these people, they start... Uh, reading the Bible together. Um, they start praying together. And after sort of six weeks of this, she says, every time I read the Bible, I know it's the word of God. Amen. Every time I pray to Jesus, I know he's listening to me. I am a Christian. Wow. That's so, so this lady, so Somalia is, they take actual pride. I've worked with Somalian refugees back in Greece. Um, and they take pride in being a Muslim country. Actually, the guy said, oh, we are 100% Muslim country. I said, no, no, no you're not. And that's no, like, right. okay, we are 99%. <laughs> so he was like, the point being, he's like one of those, like the guys, it's not one. There was like a lot of Somali refugees were in Greece when I was working there. And the point I'm trying to make is that the pride that we are. And I was like, you know, so as I'm hearing this, story what an amazing opportunity for us here even if it's 90 percent a muslim 99 percent, whatever he the real number is the point is people do not have access to jesus people don't have freedom like the most of the you know the language itself is a issue um they're not going to understand english um but when god speaks and uh, especially if the person is here in the United States already, we are, and if we are able to cultivate a relationship with that person, if that person comes to the Lord, I'm just thinking about the mission field behind, you know, back in that country, wherever they're coming from, whether that's Somalia, Iraq, Syria, whatever that country might be, we are opening a new door of gospel movement so I, I, as I'm hearing you, I'm also hearing that, you know, those engagements, 70 people that you had, uh, Muslims and Christians together, just bringing them together um, and allowing them to hash out their differences, but bring them back to the gospel message. Why, why, why is it that a um, um, white American is hosting me? Um, why is he, why does he care why he has to, or, uh, why this woman who is, um, you know, proclaiming Christian uh, Christ is interested in, uh, 
um, helping me or spending time with me, or uh, it could be so many things. And I think especially in those areas where majority people is Caucasian, in those places, minority people do feel a little bit. Um, I know being in those areas, I felt that and I'm Christian and I'm, I've been judged. I mean, uh, there was no reason. The guy walks into my own church and I'm in the bathroom washing my hands. And he, as he coming out of that service, it was a Christmas service and I'm the pastor there. Right. So he, he, as he uh, coming out, he's like, can you believe these Muslims come and you never know they have what, when, when they're going to blow up everything and then just pass out of there. I mean, he just walks out of there and was like, Oh my gosh. There was nobody else. I'm the only one. What is he talking about? He's talking like, okay, you, I know you are Muslim and you're pretending to be Christian and you are going to, I was like, only, he didn't even give me a chance to talk to him. The point is there's so much like that kind of stuff going on, both sides, right? So bringing these groups, just what I'm hearing from you and I'm thinking about these events, it allows people to see each other as human beings, not the skin of their, you know, not the color of their skin, not the nationality or uh, the accent or whatever that other things are, rather like people to people. And then you are able to, um, so I'm just thinking about on, even on humanistic end, it's so important. And then the spiritual implication of that is just phenomenal. Smile, man. That's, that's a good story. Um, how can Christian pray for Muslims? Uh, during the Ramadan season? So basically the way, there's all sorts of ways you can pray, but you know, one way I'm always praying, right, is that Ramadan is supposed to be a heightened sense of spiritual awareness. Uh, and if you have a heightened space of spiritual awareness, it, it forces you to ask some hard questions. So, the way reality works according to Romans one is that everybody knows the truth and suppresses the truth in mm-hmm. unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't just talking about atheists. It's talking about people of you know different religions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean, I don't think that means that everybody is sort of saying, right. I know Jesus is God and I'm just going to act mm-hmm. like he's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody at some point in their life is seeing something they know isn't quite right. But they're, they're just kind of not going to deal with it, right? They're going to rationalize it away, right? Mm-hmm. Now, whether this is a behavior in our children, right. whether this is a behavior in our politicians, you know, somebody we work for, like we, we all do this, right? Right, right, right. And, and so most Muslims I meet uh, have things within the sort of like Islamic world that they're troubled by, mm-hmm. but they're not looking at too deeply and they don't want to look at too deeply and so i believe if everybody just follows if everybody just like actually asks those hard questions and follows the truth to its logical conclusion keeps pulling on that string it will always 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 lead to jesus amen so what i'm praying for is that people actually ask the hard questions that they have the courage to face the hard questions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that god would use those as a means to lead people to himself well said. Seriously, I'm thinking about that too. Like how many times, um, I mean, it doesn't matter what country you look at, 
a Muslim country. It's just forbidden. You don't, you don't say, you don't question. You're not supposed to. I mean, if you do, you're a blasphemer. Well, countries like Pakistan, countries like Pakistan have a law and you don't even need to take the person to the court. You could kill the person and then claim. And unfortunately, recently, this is happening too much in, in Pakistan. Um, and of course, most of those incidents are you have a personal uh, problem with somebody and you kill the person and then you claim. So that's that's just how it is. And there was a time in Christianity that was true too. Like I tried to look at different seasons of Christianity as well. I don't want to just like, oh, we figured out from day one. So we are the, we know what we're doing and we're going to continue. But we look at dark ages. I think it was the same problem. People were not allowed to ask questions. Um, and we, I'm so glad that God is doing something new because of this medium of internet and because of immigration, because of uh, uh, universal languages. So people, people have a way to investigate and look into, and a lot of people are. The stories I have in those stories, almost in every single story is a hidden secret thing that they're doing, investigating. And as they're investigating, they find the truth. They know Jesus, and then they have to hide, and but they can't hide any longer. Therefore, they willfully make a decision. And for that, they are persecuted, and somehow they ended up being in the United States. So I see these kind of things, and I'm like, you know what? Only God, right? Only God can do that. So share two to three prayer points that the listeners can start praying for. I know you already gave us one, but give us specific two, uh, two to three points. So I think what you talked about was a culture of fear, right? That's so, correct. To, yes. So, so first, I think we want to pray for our own courage Amen. In, in this, right? That we're not scared and that, that, and that we have men and women of faith all over the Muslim world who are courageous, who are prepared to stand up for the truth and that there would be open hearts and listening ears to those people. That's number two. Um, and then finally, I, I think we should be praying that this doesn't just extend to normal people, mm -hmm. but God works in the hearts and minds of uh, local leaders and rulers that gives uh, favor in the eyes of Christians um, to them. So there's, there's lots of ways that that makes a huge difference, right? So uh, in the United Arab Emirates, for example, mm -hmm. um, all of the leaders there were born at a place called Oasis Hospital. And Oasis Hospital was founded by Christians. So mm -hmm. all of the emirs of the United Arab Emirates have a positive view of Christians because they're the people that brought them into the world and brought their children into the world. And look at religious freedom in Dubai. It's unparalleled in the Middle East mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. right? So I think we, we pray for God to work in more ways like that so wow. that the church can have people that don't look down on them, but see them as valuable in the part mm -hmm. of the world that they're in and can take root and thrive. And so that Muslim background believers can, you know, they can meet together, they can get married, Correct. they can build each other up and we can yeah. see a thriving church mm -hmm. in the Middle East. Uh, so thank you so much. Good stuff. Go on. You were going to say something. Um, Proverbs says, it is the glory of God to conceal knowledge and yeah. the glory of kings to search it out. Wow. That's awesome. So true, brother. James, thank you so much. Praying for Almeida. 
initiative that Lord may bless your ministry. And uh, is there anything you want to say as we close this time? Thank you. So if anybody would like to follow us or support us, uh, you can find us at almida.org. So that's A-L-M-A-I-D-A-H.org. We have a website, we have a podcast, and we have uh, additional training resources uh, as you want to engage the Muslim world in a way that's um, friendly but uncompromising. And I'd encourage you at this time of year to take some risks, to be brave, and to be friendly and honest and uh, open your eyes to what God might do through your faith and courage in the Muslim world. That's awesome, man. Thank you. So we were talking about how can Christians connect during Ramadan. And I think what James is telling us that there are many ways. Just take the first step. The first step might be for you, that might be a prayer. Uh, or maybe going to the local mosque and attending one of those uh, after free food it's delicious food eat yep. some food meet new people and then uh, perhaps you want to start a conversation in your own local church about hosting one next time or maybe right now it's not too late you just uh, invite people you have facebook use that you have uh, um, church uh, bulletin. You have uh, many different ways. Just invite people. People like to be invited, especially Muslim people who are still minority and uh, they have uh, fears of rejection, fears of being judged and all the other things. So when, when you reach out to them with the love of Christ, especially if your church is doing something and you're like, hey, we just want to get to know you, bless you with the uh, food and just want to build relationship. I don't think anybody going to come and tell you, no, we don't like you stay away from us. Nobody going to say that. And then uh, definitely pray as um, James uh, instructed, uh, pray for yourself for courage to take that step. Uh, Pray for them to have uh, courage to question and look into those uh, uh, beliefs and then uh, continue to pray. Um, for them that as they as they study the lord may uh show their uh show them uh himself he may reveal himself to them with that we'll close this time and uh, i invite you to our uh, prayer time there is one taking place in manhattan i do not know where you are if you can uh praise the lord that's awesome but if you're not uh, then host one in your own community wherever you are just Bring brother or sister together, two or three, wherever two or three are gathered. Uh, Jesus is among them. So start praying. Thank you so much. God bless you all. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.